so uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, this is going to be a different kind of morning. We're inviting you into the living room of Conduit this morning, and you're going to get to hear from each one of these individuals who are seated here in just a few minutes to hear a bit of what God has been doing in their lives in 2017. We're so grateful that you're here, that you get to be part of this story sharing and hear about God's faithfulness to each one of us, to this body as a whole, his faithfulness to each one of these families that are represented on this couch today in our living room, and his faithfulness to each one of the people whose lives have been redeemed that will be celebrated today in the waters of baptism. So over the last couple weeks, we've been in this series called The Stories of Christmas. And we've been hearing each week about the traditional story of Christmas from the perspective of some of the different people that were part of that story. So we heard in week one from the perspective of Mary about the story of Christmas. We heard in week two about the perspective of King Herod. We heard in week three about the perspective of the shepherds. And last week on Christmas Day, we heard about the perspective of God the Father. And today we're going to wrap up that series. Today we're going to hear about the story of Christmas from the perspective of Conduit. So welcome into our living room. Get cozy. If you don't have a hot drink yet, you should probably get one. Do we like have any blankets in here or anything? Because it's pretty cold outside and I want you guys to get cozy. Lean in with us. So excited to celebrate what God has done in the lives of these people on stage. But we're going to start first by celebrating what he's done in this body. So if you would lend your attention to either one of these two screens and sound booth, if you would play this video, that would be great.
mic again. Um, <laughs> that video pulls at my heartstrings in all the right ways because of your beautiful faces that have been part of this body during the last year, because of the awesome things that God has done in our midst, and he has done some truly awesome things. Can I get a round of applause for God? Just how good he's been to us. And really, that's only the beginning, because of video and still shots, um, especially when it's done by me on my iPhone, on an app, and I got like no tech savviness in me. Um, that kind of video can only portray so much. So today we want to invite you to um, a little more intimacy. We want to invite you one step deeper into our living room here to hear the voices of Conduit, to hear from some of the voices gathered on this couch about what God has been doing in their lives in 2017 and because of them in the rest of our lives as well. God has been doing some really mighty things. He's been liberating. He's been healing. He has been causing personal transformation. He has been doing the miraculous. He has been restoring. He has been bringing together. And the word says that there's power in our testimonies, that there is power in the sharing of our stories. Because you see, like, Conduit still has some of their Christmas decorations up. They got their wreaths hanging. We've got some trees in the back. But, like, me at home, my stuff is all taken down. My tree is out in the snowbank in front of my house. I already stored away all of our ornaments and decorations and boxes that are now up in the cold of our attic. And I'm pressing into what this new year holds. I'm already pressing restart. And I swear I'm not a Scrooge. Although, if I had to be honest with you... <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom, I'm totally going to burn you out. But uh, all, all the way growing up, I used to call my mom Scrooge because on the 26th of December, every stinking year, we wouldn't even be done putting our gifts away, and she would already be tearing down the tree, getting the boxes out from the basement, and putting it all away. And I used to get so darn mad. So, uh, sorry, Mom, you're here this morning. Sorry for ratting you out. But you know what they say, mothers turn, daughters turn into their mothers, and flash forward 20 years, and like... The 26th of December came strolling in this past Tuesday, and I was like, Javi, my husband, get all this stuff gone. I want it all gone. We're done. Christmas is over. Like, I do love Christmas. I love the twinkling of the lights. I love the anticipation and remembrance of the birth of our Savior. I love the manger. I love all of it. I love Christmas cookies. Sherry's not here this morning, but Sherry Leinhart makes the best Christmas cookies. I look forward to her Christmas cookies every year. That's Pastor Cameron's wife. I love all that Christmas entails. I drag out all my decorations even before Thanksgiving's come. But even more than the remembrance of the birth of Christ, I love the application of the birth of Christ to my life. I love what the work of Christ in my life done, and I love what the work of Christ does the rest of the year in everyone else's lives as well. There's this thing that I read the other day that I love it. It perfectly captured that sentiment, so I want to share it with you. It says, when the carols have been stilled, when the star-top tree is taken down, when family and friends are gone home, when we are back to our schedules, the work of Christmas begins. To welcome 
to welcome the refugee, to heal a broken planet, to feed the hungry, to build bridges of trust, not walls of fear, to share our gifts, to seek justice, peace for all people, to bring Christ's light to this world. And so today when we talk about the story of Christmas from the perspective of conduit, we're not talking about the twinkling of lights or an idealized manger. We're talking about the nitty-gritty downward reach of Jesus Christ into the yuck of our brokenness, the gentleness with which he lifts us up and begins the process of restoration in our lives, the way that he unites us and places us in community so that we can work all that yuck out and we have people who are standing behind us as the wind at our back saying, you can do this, I'm right here with you. We're talking about the way that he sends us back into our homes churches and cities to share that transformation that's the work of christmas and that is christmas from the perspective of conduit and that's what we want to share with you today so i have a few brave voices with me here on this white couch who have agreed to share their stories and their stories are very different so i hope that it paints a snapshot for all of us a mosaic of sorts of what god has been doing in our midst for those of you who don't know them we're just going to do some quick introductions. So would each one of you just say your names? Vinny. Amanda. Stephanie. Janelle. Jordan. Joel. Liz. Cool. I'm Katie, for those of you who don't know me. This is Miles right here. He's a little sick, sorry. <laughs> um, for those of you who've been here for, like, more than an hour, um, you know Vinny. So we're going to start with Vinny this morning. Um, Vinny is a jack of all trades, so to speak. You will see him here on Sundays preparing coffee. Um, he's always the first to run up to stage when the pastors need water or coffee when they're preaching. Um, he just got done painting the new conduit kids room we have and our office. Um, and he's always that deep, rich, amen voice you hear from the back of the room. <laughs> We love Vinny. Vinny, we love you. I love you. <laughs> but we almost lost you this year. Yes. Would you mind sharing some of that with all Absolutely. of us that are here? Absolutely. Because it is a miracle. Uh, September 13th. I don't want to say too much because I don't, I'm gonna, the Lord has pressed on my heart to give my testimony, my full testimony. Pastors are going to allow me in the future to do that, but so, but I'm going to tell you a few things, but not like all of it that you'll hear at that testimony. But um, on the 13th of September, I had a massive heart attack for 20 hours. My father, at 49, died of a massive heart attack. He didn't take three steps out of the bathroom, and he was done. 20 hours. Never heard of anybody last 20 hours in a massive heart attack. I did. I shouldn't be here. I should be. They should be in a box up here, getting pastor saying something nice about me. I hope. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but God yanked me out of death. I mean, it was it was it was a miracle. I mean, even the doctors, they knew it wasn't because of their hands that I'm alive. They knew it. They they, they couldn't explain it. And I don't think they wanted to admit it was um, um, from God's hand, but they knew it was from God's hand. And uh, here I am, you know. I'm, uh, I'm feeling great. Three months, three and a half months later, uh, I snowblowed 
this whole week. I never thought I'd do that again. I mean, I hate that job, but lately, I kind of <laughs> love it. I love it. And um, he's changed me. He's changed me completely. Uh, I really, before this heart attack, I really thought I gave my heart to Christ. I mean, I'm hanging out in the back doing, doing work for, you know, uh, the church. And I just said, oh, man, this is cool. You know, this is good. I, I'm there. I gave him, I've given God everything. And uh, thank you, Jesus, you know, for bringing me to a church like this. And, and um, after that heart attack, when I opened my eyes, the first thing I said was, uh, save me twice now. And you want me to do something, and I know what it is, and um, and that's my testimony. Um, I quit smoking. I haven't touched a cigarette since that that day. Um, I was smoking during my heart attack, though. I have to admit. Yeah, yeah. yeah go figure. Now, <laughs> worked eight hours. Yeah, go figure. You know what I mean. Went to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, like, I figured I was hungry. I just like it, it was. It was. It was definitely a deliverance of God, and and I have. I'm so happy that that. Yes, it took the heart attack to get there, but. My heart belongs to him, totally. Yeah. And, and I'm done fighting him over pieces of my heart to keep, you know, um, it's his. So uh, it's just a, a matter of uh, growing now with him and being, being acceptable uh, or ready for the changes that are ahead of me, which I can't wait. And um, I know my family wasn't thrilled about the heart attack, but I know they're thrilled about the outcome of it. And, um, Something bad, something that bad, turned into something so, so good. Crazy. You know? And um, who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? So uh, all I got to say is praise Jesus, man. <laughs> so good. Vinny, I remember um, shortly after your heart attack, I remember talking to you in the back when you were back here at Conduit with us. And um, in your reflection on that experience, you had told me that not only had it changed pieces of your heart that you had been unwilling to give away before, but that it had caused, um, that probably the hardest moment of that heart attack was looking up at your son. Oh. And, um, and how desperately you pleaded with God for the opportunity to spend some more time with him. But yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. He, you know, his face, you could still see it. You know, that desperation, that, like, what the hell am I going to do now, you know? Excuse my language. Um, but uh, it was tough, it was that his face. Um, about the only smile I got out of that whole thing was Pastor Corey's laugh, man. His laugh just made me smile. But uh, my son's face was tough. It was, it was the toughest thing that I had to go through. Even the heart attack wasn't as hard as seeing the despair on his face. So uh, being able to still be here um, to see my son grow, I'm uh, thrilled about it. Yeah, thrilled. And that's, I, I love that part of the story because, um, yes, the purpose of God's healing in your life was because he wanted to wrestle away some of those some oh. of those hard parts of your heart, but Absolutely. I have to believe that such a big part of that was because he wanted you to have more time 
with your son and the legacy that you get to pass to him and the great years that are ahead for both of you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a miracle, definitely a miracle. I told the joke before I went into surgery. I can't tell it, can I? No. Oh my gosh. like nothing and and it was awful and I finally got to a point like right around this time two years ago where I was like okay we gotta we gotta get up and do something because this isn't what we're doing is not working um and we got to um I started coming back to church because I had gotten to a place where I was like God doesn't care about me like the, would he let somebody lay on the couch and do this because this is silly um but I started coming back to church, and I think just, I don't know, we've, we've been through a lot in the past couple of years. You know, we've gotten back to a place where we've struggled, and we've had hardships, and we've gotten back to our own place. Like, we we're under our own roof now. We've got a car again, and, you know, my kids are happy, and they're content, sort of. <laughs> um, and, I mean, just... There, of course, are struggles, but they're nothing compared to where I've been. Like, where I've been was the lowest of the absolute lows, and I just don't think that I, I never want to feel that way again. And I don't, I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. It's such a crappy feeling. It's so horrible. And I think figuring out how to move forward and coming back to church and just kind of laying it here on the table and being like, help me. Like, what do I need to do? Um, 
And sometimes what I need to do is just to help somebody else. Um, whether that's, Lord only knows, there's a lot of you I've baked something for. And a lot of that is truly just because I need something to do to see somebody else smile so that it's just like, you feel like you're getting somewhere. You feel like you're accomplishing something. And that's what I have to do. Like, that's, I have to do that. And so when, when, I, when I got to that place, like, I was messaging people, random people, that I was like, hey, so this Saturday, are you going to be home because I'm bringing dinner to your house? And, you know, and they're like, what do you, you don't even live in your own house. Why are you bringing us dinner? I'm like, because I need to do that. Like, that I need to do it. And because it, it helps me feel better. And, um, and that is something that was laid on my heart. Just get up and do something. Get up and bake. Get up and cook. Get up and just do it. See somebody else smile and you're going to feel better. So I think being in that low spot, you realize all the little things that you can do and move forward and you just get up and you do it. Like, I, I, love, I love that you said it that way because I think that for so many of it, us, especially I can think in my own life, the experience of living on mission, of doing something for the benefit of the other, is what actually transforms. Yes. Like the Holy Spirit is present in that act of service and he uses it as a vehicle for transformation. I actually found a quote that I've been living by for a couple of years now that says, God's will is not that you do a particular thing, but that you do all things with a particular love. And I just like, I so live good. with that in my heart. Yeah, you need to say that constantly. It says, God's will is not that you do a particular thing, but that you do all things with a particular love. Um, and so, so that is definitely something that I have lived by for a very long time now, especially since I hit rock bottom. And I think, like, something so simple as, like, cooking somebody dinner seems like nothing to so many people. But to me, it was, like, the biggest help in my life to just be like, hey, I'm bringing you dinner. I mean... Your, Sherry was the only one who was like, absolutely, what day are you coming? Everybody else was like, everybody else was like, no, 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 it's okay, you don't have to, I'm like, it's, it's not about, and Sherry was like, yes, I'm down, what day are you bringing it? Like, and that was just so helpful for me to see somebody else just be like, ah, oh, thank you. You know, ah, oh, dinner, I don't have to do this, you know, like, it's so great. And I think that's just where, like, my, my particular love is that I have to give. I have to I have to see you smile like I want to see you smile and I want to see you just be happy because I know what it feels like to be low so. yeah um, not too many months ago here at conduit we hosted for the United Way um, a focus group and the purpose of this focus group was because the United Way had won a grant some large funding to benefit the city of Jamestown and so they were doing research at various sites across the city to find out how to best allocate those funds. Um, and so we hosted a focus group here with the presence of a United Way facilitator that was specifically for single parents. And Stephanie came to that focus group and you shared something at that focus group that has really stuck with me. Um, and I think 
I think it's so important, and if you wouldn't mind sharing um, it with everyone here today, you talked about, at that focus group, a very specific moment um, growing up when you were a teenager, when your family was hard up, that there was just this moment of, no matter what, I'm going to do this differently. Mm -hmm. And you've stuck to that commitment and determination with such grit. Would you talk about that moment with yep. all of us? When I was nine years old, I can remember coming home from school, and it was like late spring, um, and we came, I came home from school to no electric, no water, no gas, and my mom was a single mom, and there were three of us, and um, at that moment, food became more important than turning the bills back on, because we had, we had a creek behind our house, so we had water, you know, we weren't desperate, um, and it was coming spring, so you just throw on a sweater. We all lived. And then you had summer, and it was fine. And then winter came, and we all, we hung, we hung up blankets on the doorways, and we lived in the living room with a kerosene heater for nine more months. It was, it was a treacherous time, but at nine years old, you're like, Amish life, yes, this is so fun. Like, we're gonna make this an adventure. And it was not an adventure, it was awful. And now that I look back as an adult, um, I think, you know, when I was when I was nine years old, I was like, this is so fun. And then we got, you know, and in the dead of winter, like, like I remember in the summer, we used to go outside when it rained and we'd take showers under the gutters when it rained. And that was how we showered. Um, and in the winter, we used to bring snow in and we'd put it on the grill and we'd melt snow and we'd make baths. We'd flush the toilet and, you know, like little things. And it was, it was the absolute worst time of my life. Like one of the worst times. But, you know, at nine years old, you think this is fun. Like we're reading by oil lamps. Like this is great, you know. And now that I look back, I'm like, I would never, ever, ever want my children to ever experience what it's like to live without water, to live without heat, to live without electric. I don't ever want my kids to come home and flip on the electric you know, flip on the, the light switch and it not come on. Um, that I never, ever want that to happen for them. I never want them to know what it is, and I never, I never want anybody to know what that is, let alone my own children. Because um, it's an awful feeling as a mom. And so I think at nine years old, when the electric finally came back on, I was like, yeah, this is not a thing. We're not going to do this. Like, if I ever have children, this will not be the thing that happens, ever. And I've made it a point, no matter how many jobs I've had to work or how many, you know, how many, anything I've had to miss with my children, um, the bills come first, you know? Like, I can remember times where you open the fridge when we lived in Cory even, and just be like, there's a package of hot dogs. Let's close it and see if it, there's something else in there now. <laughs> you know, um, and I know, I don't want people to experience that. And that, it's something that's so disheartening and so uh, that, that comes right back to the whole do with a particular love. Um, you know, there's, that's my way of making sure like certain families who I know are hard up at the moment. If all I can give is a meal, fine. If you need it that much more than I do, cool. Um, I'm down with it. Um, but it's, I just never want my kids to experience the level of frustration that I did at nine years old. Never. So, Steph, we're good you, now. Uh, <laughs> like I said, you are increasing my faith 
every day more that I get to know you. I am so grateful for the opportunity to know you and for your courageous witness in the face of difficulty. And I personally, I know that my family's been benefited by your generosity. I know so many other families here have. And as a body, we benefit, whether you know it or not, we benefit from Steph's um, generosity all the time. She's always in the nursery giving her all. And there's so many of you here who do that kind of um, generosity here at Conduit. We're really, really grateful to you. Thank you. Um, we have two different married couples up here um, today that are going to share with us as well. Um, we have Jordan and Janelle and Liz and Joel. And what's kind of neat is that both of these couples started attending Conduit in 2017. So Jordan and Janelle plugged into Conduit in the very beginning of 2017 over at our Conduit North location. And Liz and Joel just started attending Conduit when they moved into the area in August of this year. So if you guys don't mind me asking all four of you, what compelled you to start attending Conduit? Don't all rush to speak at once. <laughs> Ours was easy. Our family was coming here, and so there was like an obvious, hey, here's the place. But, but we moved from a different state, and so it was kind of simple. There were like, you know, not, maybe there are a lot of churches that just don't really exist, but there's not a lot of options in Jamestown compared to cities where we had been in the past. So, you know, when we were, had specific goals that we were looking for within a church body and community, it was like, okay, it's, it's this one. And it was simple, um, but there, and we'll get into why we chose to stay, which is probably a different question. Um, and that's, I think, really what you're getting at. Um, but, uh, I mean, okay. So, so the, the, <laughs> reason, the reason is, for us, there are, we've been in churches for a long time. I did not grow up at all in a Christian home. It was absolutely far from it. Um, but starting one youth group and young, and then as I got older, things changed. But so, so for us, Joel and I had been, we've been married 10 years, and our church family in various churches were all kind of connected. So the like doctrine and thought process and approach to the whole community was very tried and true. Every congregation you went to was all the same. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't like a brand new experience each place we went. But leaving Cincinnati, um, a lot of it was coming, choosing conduit first over our job and family and other locations. Those happened to be great things that were here. We were really looking forward to them. But for us, the decision to move was conduit. And it was because when we really prayed about it, we felt God calling us here. And we wanted a body and a community that was eager for the word and the truth and, and not a specific organizational doctrine that is like, okay, we dress this way and we all look this way and we all eat this way and we all talk this way. We didn't want that. We wanted diversity, but we wanted the truth and we wanted community and we wanted to be like other people spiritually, but not like other people in every other way. So that's what we wanted and that's what we prayed for and we felt like God pulled us across the country to come here and it just so happens that there are other things. <laughs> So you guys think you can follow that answer? No, 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 no. Liz has spoken for us. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know? No, I, I, I um, we could grab the thesaurus, the dictionary, and go through all the big words and, and all this and, 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 and try to impress you guys. But the truth is the Bible says, by your fruit we shall know the man. And before we go any further, we have to 
You guys are beast. <laughs> you guys are beast. Through your faithfulness, you know, we, we, um, we've had a, we moved up here from Florida. This is where I was born and raised three years ago. And um, we have had a, a huge challenge being in this community. Um, it's very different from what we've ever known. Um, as married couple, as parents, um, we've felt diversity in ways that we never experienced. Um, we started off in this community with, um, he, he's, he's emotional because this has been such a trying time in our lives, and we found a family here. We found a family. This church has given us purpose back when we thought that we were just going through the motions of life. And I know we're going to talk about North a little bit more, but we're serving with a purpose. It's not about us. It's not about how many struggles we're having. It's not about the prejudice that we've experienced. It's not about the cold weather and the snow and, and, and difficulties with, with my family. Um, it's about giving back. It's about what God is doing through each and every one of us. We were told we were told not to come here because you guys don't preach from the Bible and if you do you'll utter a verse and then you're gone and you'll stop it right before it gets difficult. I cut against the grain, brother. I'm a rebel with the cause. I go against, I go against the world because Christ was radical. I, 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 was, I, I am radical. And that's one of the very reasons why I came. Because, because, because I've learned to be a Berean Christian. You hear me? So don't go to conduit because this, because that. And that's the very reason why I came. And the very first, listen, the very first sermon you guys preached at, at, at um, North, it was cross-references. <laughs> listen, listen, cross-references, illustrations, back and forth from the Bible. Truth. Hear me? Truth. And then we came the Sunday, and these guys, remember, stand up, you two. Stand up. <laughs> These guys, they remembered all of our names. We walked right through the door. Corey started a little bit. It was like, ah, uh, C. I know, I know it's C something Christian, because it's Cristiano. It's a C, C, C something, but Cristiano. These two guys remembered our names. And, 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 it, and it meant a lot. What we're looking for is a Christ-centered mm -hmm. church. I remember our first night at north pastor cameron was praying and he says we've been praying for you he wasn't talking to anyone in particular but he says we've been praying for you we've been praying that you'd be here this week and i was just like oh that's me 
we felt like this is where God had called us, and we felt welcomed, and we felt loved, and we want to say thank you for your faithfulness um, as a team and the leadership here um, and the friends that we've made. It's awesome. It's awesome. For our story, we could write a book, movie. Uh, that's just the truth, but, but we're here because of this. And <laughs> she seemed to cry three times in twenty years. <laughs> three times in twenty years. Literally, but there's not a Saturday at North I don't choke up. God, we did maybe four Saturdays at the at, at the Baptist, and then Pastor Cameron goes, "Hey, um, we we gotta go. The people want their building. You know, there's this laundromat." Papa Joe's, I'm thinking Papa Joe's, the first thing I came to my Papa John's. <laughs> so he goes, okay, cool, laundromat. Next thing you know, it's a two by four room. <laughs> and like I said, I could grab the dictionary and, and describe with all the vocabularies in the world. But we bossed it. We embraced it. Thanksgiving. Christmas, and we would all think, oh, <laughs> why are we here? Why are we here? It's, 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 it's because we were imparted with blessing, and, and we didn't hold on to it. We, 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 just, just, just like the story of the two the two fish and the five loaves, they were imparted with this and they imparted on others and that's what these guys are doing. Yes. You, you, you get me? This, this is what these guys are doing and that's why we're here. There's no nonsense. In my country we say, if you don't know I'm from Jamaica, yeah. yo, uh, what's my man's name over there? Yo, big ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just found out yeah. I'm from Jamaica. But, but in my country we say we hold a wise meaning, we, we hold a deep thought in depth conversation and and I've seen these guys preach and I've hold up vibes with these guys and these guys love God these guys love their families and these guys love you guys and that's why we're here because there's no facade there's no nothing pretentious about these guys these guys are preaching from the word and they're leading like God has led them children 
And so I'm wondering, like, what has that transition been like in the light of you chose a church first? Have you experienced gospel community in the vulnerability of, of that move? Yeah, looks like she wants me to field this one. <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, so when we were moving to, to kind of piggyback on what, um, on what Liz was saying was that, you know, we kind of, we kind of interviewed conduit for, for lack of a better word. And Corey knows what I'm talking about. He's kind of giving me a smirk there. Um, but I, like, I FaceTimed with Ben, you know, and I talked to Corey quite a bit. And um, like, we wanted to know, like, what are you guys about? You know, like, what's the community like? What are you, like, where are you investing your heart? You know, and how are you investing in people? Because that's what the gospel is all about. It's about, you know, making disciples of all nations, not just to get people in the seats, but to like, to build a community, like, to build a kingdom so that, you know, um, so that God's love is advanced in the world. Um, so like we kind of came here with that as, like, as our priority. Um, you know, that being that like, we wanted a community and we didn't want like, we didn't want just like a group of people to be with every Sunday or every, you know, like our, our family groups or our open house or whatever. We wanted like a group of people who would like to talk and get vulnerable and real. And like sometimes you have to do just men in order to do that, but like it's there, it's real. And it's, and it's visceral, and you can see it, and you can feel it, but you have to kind of probe a little bit. Um, so, I mean, yeah, in terms of, like, have we found gospel community here, and has that helped us? It's like, that's what we look for everywhere we go, and that's honestly one of the reasons we came to Conduit. We talked to, we talked to Ben and Corey and Cameron, and, um, and then we came a couple times, and we were like, this is, you know, like real church is happening here. It's different from what, honestly, it's different from what we're used to. Um, we had to which is okay. Stuff. We totally yeah, we kind of had to. We had to become vulnerable with yeah. the fact that like there are people out there who do church differently than like what we grew, you know, the tradition we grew up in. That's and okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. And and there's like there's real like the kingdom is real and it's and it's advancing in people that are, you know, in, in this church, and it's been really good for us. I try to I try to hashtag a mantra for what we've seen here, and my wife was like, "Oh no, it's too long." It won't make it. <laughs> That's we'll a book. It on, we'll make it on Twitter, but what we've seen here is is, is uh, where we're from. We've 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 um stolen this mantra that says, "No perfect people allowed," mm-hmm. and I thought that was awesome. But but here it's like here it's like it's like real real people who know. <laughs> uppercase, uppercase, real love, who are who are reaching real people and trying to teach them real love. Yeah. And, and yeah, is it is it is it too long? Yeah, really making it incredibly long. And, and, and that's what and that's what that's what that's what we see here, and that's what we try to impart on our kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Esteem others above yourself. I, so I gotta interrupt. I wanna come right back to you, Liz. But there was there's something in particular that I wanna ask the two of you that tags right along that thought. Um, so you had your two children stand up before. Would you guys stand up again? Turn around so this body can see you and your partner's story. This is Natalie and Cristiano, and they are outstanding. You guys can take a seat again. They're such an important part of this story, and that's why I wanna come back to this. Is Natalie and Cristiano are at Conduit North every Saturday, serving their hearts out, engaging people the same way, with the same love and intensity that their parents do. And so I want um, to ask you, what kind of legacy are you sowing for your kids by living on mission? 
think that's easy. As parents, I can't expect my children to be anything that I don't emulate for them. If I'm not doing it, how do I expect my, my daughter to do it? How do I expect my son to change the world if he doesn't see mom and dad trying? And, and I think that's our greatest responsibility as parents is show our children how to do it and hope that they do it better. Yes. We love you, the Staleys. You guys have embraced us. Um, <laughs> we, we just, we know we cannot, we cannot let the world grow our kids. The, the, the pluralism, the, the, their beliefs, it's, it's summed up under, it's summed up under Pontius Pilate when he stood up and he says, who do you want? And he hold Barabbas and Christ. And they said, give us Barabbas. And that's exactly what parallels the world today. They want Barabbas. And I'm teaching my, my kids, listen, you don't want Barabbas. The world is saying, um, do what makes you happy, do what, do, do what feels good. Nonsense. Foolishness. So what we're trying to start at home. So what we're trying to do is do our part because we're overseers of what God gives us. And we are responsible at the end of our lives to say. <laughs> I cried tears. Just we both kind of felt this 
let's let, because we knew we wanted more kids, like, let's just let God uh, take the next one. You know, we're going to let him decide, and we're going to just give everything to God, and, and uh, so that's what we did, and we didn't really know what that was going to look like, <laughs> and at first we just thought, like, oh, just, you know, no birth control, okay. Um, we didn't realize it was going to be, like, a two-year process. Um, so it was a long two years. Um, we, uh, we prayed a lot, and um, there was a lot of heartache, I guess, um, you know, month after month getting the, the negative pregnancy tests and, and not really knowing what, um, when it was going to happen. But this morning, um, I'm, I'm not just saying this because he's my husband, but good job on the songs, on the song yeah. choices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I, every single song this morning was about God's faithfulness and how worthy is God. And I just, I'm standing there just praising God and thinking, like, the songs could not have been better chosen. And um, the one, you know, all your promises are yes and amen. And um, we knew that God had, that John was not going to be our only child. Uh, we knew that he had promised us another, and the hardest thing was just not knowing when that was going to happen. And, uh, and we decided, you know, no, no drugs this time, no medications, you know, we're going to let God choose his timing. And then um, last April, I was at the doctor's, and, she's, and my doctor, I love her to pieces, and she's like, well, you know, if we... If we try this medication, you know, it might take a little while, but it'll happen. So I'm like, okay. Um, even though the month prior, I'm like, no, no medications. And it was the worst month. I hated it. April was terrible. Um, the, the, the medication didn't even do what it was supposed to do when it was supposed to do it. And I was, it was, it was just absolutely miserable. The entire process of that was terrible. And, and that was... You know, God, like, oh, I told you, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Trust me. And uh, and now, um, this next April is when we're expecting um, this one. So it was, and I just kind of put that together this morning, sitting there, that, you know, last day, this past April, was the worst month when it comes to, when it came to, you know, the whole process of trying to get pregnant. Um, and God's going to turn that around, and now I'm expecting this child that we've, waited for and prayed for for so long in the next April, so. Well, I can't wait to meet that lady. Me too! <laughs> A sign of God's covenant of goodness and mercy and grace and faithfulness yes. to us. Can't wait to meet that baby. Um, I don't want to cut any of these stories story short, but because of time, we're going to have to. Um, but I encourage you to get to know these individuals. I encourage you in the format of Open House that Corey just talked about a little bit ago that we'll be relaunching soon to share your stories. We want to get to know the stories of each of you because it edifies us corporately. And this, this right here, this is the work of Christmas. This is Jesus Christ's birth and the work of his life Edifying, renewing, transforming, building up, uniting from states far away, bringing together, advancing his kingdom. This is the work of Christ. Vinny, Amanda, Steph, 
Jordan and Janelle, Liz and Joel, I don't want to do 2018 without you. I don't want to do 2018 without any of you that are here today. I want to do it with you. Because your story matters. It matters to each of you, of course. Like, your stories are good, your stories are fine, your stories are miraculous, perhaps. Each one of our stories are. But together, sewn together, our stories are so much better. Sewn together, we could get a glimpse of who God really is and what's in store for our city. And I believe that what's in store for our city exceeds even the wildest of our imaginations. It exceeds the greatest of our plans. Because by the goodness and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, what's in store for our city? I'm laying the Bible down. The script's going aside. I gotta get up. I'm gonna get all kinds of undated fire right now. Because what is in store for our city in 2018 and as the years unfold? Because of people like these and because of people like you who day after day you show up and you press into the life and work and miraculous nature mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. What is in store for our city is the unfolding of a plan that we can only get a glimpse of now. We have so much to celebrate, body. I want you to get up on your feet with me. I want you to get all kinds of undignified with me because we have something to celebrate. We have stories of life here that have been healed, that have been renewed, that have been made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have stories of individuals today whose lives are going to be made new in the waters of baptism. Together as a body, we have traversed a difficult season, and yet here we stand. We have so much to celebrate. Amen. I'm going to pray us into worship, but before I do that, when we finish these next two songs, we are going to proceed with baptism. So any of you that are going to be baptized today, would you please go ahead and go get changed. When these two songs are over, you're going to take your confetti popper or your noise blower, whatever you have, and you're going to head to the back. We're going to make a U around the baptismal. All of our conduit kids will be joining us, but they're going to stay with their teachers. Please make room for them at the very front. Kids matter to us here. We want them Amen. to have a front seat to watching the 